they have a sense of not belonging to the human race. Sometimes I feel like that, don't you, Michelle? Hi. Oh, hi, Michelle. Happy day, happy day to you. Happy day to you. Again, I'm going to have to apologise if I sound a bit snotty and a bit... This lurgy is lurking. A lurking lurgy. I'd like to apologise because I've got a pair of lads in the room with me in my recording studio. Ray and Kai have joined me today. Sometimes they're here, sometimes they're not. Right now they're here and I can't do a damn thing about it. They're noisy, they're chomping on nuggets, they're sucking on their water bottle. They're guinea pigs. (laughs) (laughs) And they make me feel so warm inside when you tell me nasty things, Michelle. Can I just say to everybody, welcome to the podcast Eavesdropping. You are now officially eavesdropping. You are. It's exciting because we've got some stuff for you today. I don't we know bring you stuff. About. I don't know why I did that terrible <laughs> Russian accent, by the way. That was badly timed. I do because the world is going to hell in a handbag right now, isn't it? But, but the reason why we're here today, Michelle, is to take our minds off it and everybody else's who's listening to us right now. God knows what awful things has happened in the time that lapses between us recording this and other people listening to us. But I'd just like to say, have a laugh with us today and put your cares at bay. <laughs> Because we are not a political podcast by any stretch of the imagination. Comedy. Comedy. Supposedly. Comedy all the <laughs> we'll way. See. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see if we can make you laugh. Well, I'll tell you what did make me laugh this week. Yeah. I know what you're going to say. What did you think I was going to say? I thought you were going to correct me on uh, the what, the supposed spell checking error that I made last week in my story about the original exorcist boy, Roland Doe, was born in oh. Cottage City. And then I thought, that can't be right. <laughs> but in fact... And I thought it was wrong too. We all thought it was wrong. It's a real thing. It's, it's real. a real place to remember. And earlier in the week, I texted you saying, it's real. And you were like, I couldn't believe it. No, so apologies to all people who actually live in Cottage City. We thought it was a joke. Or people yelling at the transistor radio or <laughs> however you listen to us going, oh, you fools, get your geography <laughs> correct. There will be some foolish errors. But just any fact, get it correct, girls. That's what people are probably thinking. If you've come here for correct facts, you're in the wrong place. But if you've come here for laughs, <laughs> you're in the right place, hopefully. Well, like I was just saying to you, Alan Park, Who the fuck is Alan Parr? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Alan Carr. He's got a podcast. Alan Shiel. Well, yes, I did mention this to you. I listened to the Damon Albarn episode. And I was like, when the hell did Damon Albarn turn into Alan Shiel? Alan Shiel. Who, if you're not Australian or from a certain era, we just need to explain who Alan Shiel is. And we have talked about Alan Shiel before, haven't we? We have. He's a Australia's premier gardener. I think he's dead now. Oh, long he's... dead. He was old when I was a child. But he had a little whistle when he talked. And it captured the imagination of every school child in the country. Yes. And so I was listening to Alan Carr's podcast with Damon Albarn. And honestly, it sounds like he's chomping back on a pair of false teeth or Ooh. something. Because this whistle, it's not <laughs> fun. It's not attractive. It's not at all. But there was a really fantastic episode with Jonathan Ross. I love him. I love him. And actually, it makes me love both of them even more. So, yeah, top tip. Alan Carr can't go wrong. Jonathan Ross 
always right. I know. And actually, I wanted to talk about something else. That not I, I wasn't listening to this. I was watching this this week. Uh-huh. RuPaul, UK versus the world. Okay. And this is a spoiler alert, guys, if you've not caught oh, up. Oh, Michelle. On RuPaul. But can I just say, yeah. we had basically Miss Thailand, Panchina, yeah. was exited from the competition. I just thought the show went too far. They had her sobbing. That they was weird. Sobbing, going. It was really weird and I didn't like it. No, I didn't like that. That left me feeling very unsettled. Yes, I agree. I agree. Yes. Rue and Michelle, if you're listening, and obviously they're eavesdroppers, if you're listening, I think you guys went too far with, with Pangina's tears. But wait a moment. Just noting that. I feel like there might be a reveal about this next episode. I think they'll they'll address that next episode. They need to because it was just so odd how they kept that going in the background. Production could have halted. Yeah. They could have waited. The amount of time between each runway presentation that must elapse would be hours anyway. It's not like they're on a tight, tight schedule. If they have a moment where somebody needs to collect themselves, I'm sure they could have given Pangina that moment. I don't know yeah. why they showed that. I don't either, but it was, it wasn't nice. So, just maybe people need a trigger warning for that. Like, if you're going to watch the end of that episode, just just prepare yourself for some weirdness. What's she on about? What? Huh? Silly bitch. What? I know that you don't watch Euphoria. No. I think you should. I think everyone should because it's literally the best thing on television right now. Right. But. Uh, the last episode was kind of about one of the girls puts on a school play. This was the most unrealistic school play I've ever seen in my life. They had so much money for sets, lighting. I mean, they talk about sex drugs in the play. No one would ever have been allowed to put on a play like that. I mean, we did Grease and we had to edit that out when I was playing Frenchie. You know, you weren't allowed to say anything rude. This School play was so unrealistic. So if anybody wants to talk to me about that, please get in touch. Because I was yelling at the TV, even though I was also cackling with joy. It was a crazy episode. I'm going to be cackling at joy at the thought of you with a really short curly wig going, there are worse things I could do (laughs) than go with a boy like you or two. I don't know the words. You would. Hilarious. I will have to say that was Rizzo. I was actually... Oh, who's Frenchie? She's the one that... She's the beauty school dropout. The beauty school dropout. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Oh, Grease, you can't go wrong. But Rizzo was the best character. She was a slut with a heart of gold. Everyone loves that. Troubling these days. So tell me, Michelle, what have you got up your sleeves for me today? It's a little bit of uh, an eavesdropping special because we've had a few notes from some dedicated, long-time loyal eavesdroppers asking us to investigate a few things. So, I just wanted to start with longtime eavesdropper Wiz, who got shout out last week. She sent me a link about an American astronaut called Scott Kelly. And, and he's not one of the big names in uh, space, 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 space. That's what it is, space. It's the place. But he's been on a few discovery and service missions um, into space. Okay. And she sent me a link to this YouTube video where there's an interviewer from CNN and and he asks Scott Kelly if he believes in UFOs and aliens. Oh. And 
And which is interesting because dude's been into space. So, you yeah. know, good question. Mm-hmm. And he's basically like, nah. no, no, <laughs> don't slams believe it. in any of Shuts it. Shuts that down. Slammed it. He did. He put that idea in the bin. Oh. And when he's questioned as to why not, he basically says he thinks the distances are too great and the physics basically huh? just don't support it. Yeah. And he goes on to say, if we went as fast as we can to the nearest Earth-like planet, it would take us 80,000 years to get there. But we don't have to go there to establish the fact that there might be life on other planets that are really far away. I'm hearing you, Geordie. I'm hearing it's you. It's like if a tree falls in the forest, do we hear it? Is it? Did it happen? Oh, you hear me. I just thought... For a guy who's obviously meant to be smart enough to be in the NASA program and has been to space, I just felt it was a bit ignorant because yeah. it is coming from a premise of thinking that we, A, know everything, that B, our technology is the only technology yeah. that yeah. counts and that we have all the answers and definitive ideas about space travel and, and even what the limitations are. So yeah. I just thought it was bizarre. And actually, I think, Wiz was like, what the fuck? What is this guy talking about? So, And there's all this talk about, you know, humanoid creatures being life on other. I mean, it could just be a, a bit of slime or it could be a three-headed goat. <laughs> Who knows? Because remember, we talked about this when we were doing the Sean Ryder episode that yeah, we did. physics doesn't mean that not every time that there's a primordial swamp is the same result going to occur, which is an axolotl or whatever that crawls out and then eventually turns into a monkey or however it happened. Obviously, I'm no scientist. <laughs> so I just thought that was a bit of food for thought and that also is. a bit like, come on, you know. I mean, I guess he's entitled to his opinion. Fair play. But I think... We don't know everything. We don't know what's possible. And we certainly can't say that aliens don't exist. So that's my two cents worth. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying I could be right. Also, we had just a little steer from a friend of mine in London who basically knew that we had been talking a lot about catfishing this year. I don't know why it's become such a thing, but... She pointed me in the direction of this documentary that has been on the BBC about catfishing, but it is a one level more crazy where people are now being job fished. Oh, yeah. So the new way people are getting catfished is through jobs. I won't go through it, like through it in detail, but this it's actually called Job Fish, this documentary. Okay. And loads of people were conned into working for a fake company. And there's this investigative reporter called Katrin Knight, and she looked into this graphic design company called Madbird, which was run out of London in 2020. Again, pandemic shit, right? Mm. By a guy called Ali Ayed, who during the lockdown in the UK, he hired people from all over the world to work for what seemed to be this like really prestigious and really successful design company. But the whole thing was fake. And the thing was, the office was fake. The founding members were fake. What's All the, the pictures stolen off the internet. Well, well, that's the thing. Like, you watch this documentary and you're like, what the fuck? Why? Is, why is this guy doing it? Yeah. What's the why here? And the thing is, 
you never really get to the why because, I mean, ultimately they door stop this guy and he's such a fucking creep. But and he's like, I gave people opportunities. And, and the reporter's like, what opportunities? You scammed them out of like their life. You promised yeah. them jobs. In some cases, promised these poor people the potential for visas to come and work in the UK. Oh, my God. And he made up everything when the kind of scam got blown wide open. They were literally weeks from bagging super high-end clients with a lot of money who Mm -hmm. were going to be investing in design campaigns with this design company. So we don't really know what the upshot would have been with this job fishing, whether or not he was just going to run off with the money or whether it was a fake it till you make it kind of situation. So, you know, let's let's build up this fake company and then actually start getting real work in to then Mm. get it going. So, yeah, it was quite an unsatisfying um, documentary. But I just wanted to mention this because obviously catfishing – New levels of catfishing. Kill last week we had killing for cash. Yeah. This week you can get catfish through jobs. So you know. Watch out, people. The world is crazy. <laughs> but we know that. We already oh, know. Yeah. That. I think we all know that. I also just wanted to give an update yeah. on one of our long running themes. We did an episode on um Melissa Caddick. Back in March last year, mm. season two, episode 11. That's right, we did. Shady Ladies. Was it Shady Ladies? Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, well, she oh. was a sh- she is a shady, was, is, she was a shady lady, but she was basically this missing, presumed dead Australian con woman and fraudster. And we looked at all the crazy twists and turns. That- presumed dead because they, they found a body part, so they, they found remains, so they, they now assume that she is dead. But you don't think so, do you, Michelle? Well, no. And, and I just was going to give a recap for anyone who's who missed the Melissa Caddick episode, who basically, you know, she was this, this woman who, you know, ripped off her friends and family um, to the tune of more than 30 million Australian dollars, who then, as you said, she's uh, she mysteriously disappeared only to have her foot wash up on a beach right near where you grew up, actually. And actually, the case has not been closed on whether or not she's dead or alive. The case is still open, so they have not ruled on, you know, one way or another whether or not Melissa Caddick is dead. Because once they do that, then that triggers a whole lot of other legal Mm -hmm. um, things they, you know, the Australian government need to go through. You know, that was a year ago that we did that story. More. Wow. And look, Melissa is back in the news and we have a few new uh, news stories that have come to us courtesy of longtime eavesdroppers, yes. Jen, aka my mum. Hi, Jen. And also our friend, researcher and unicorn eavesdropper. That'll be Al Taggart. Oh, hello, Al. Thank you both to, to both Jen and Al for any research leads because we need them guys and anyone can become an eavesdropping researcher it's very easy just write in <laughs> just write in so um i'm just going to kick off with a, a story that al sent us okay. about melissa caddick's cars being sold at auction this week now like any good fraudster trying to convince clients that she's living the good life which she actually was. Yeah. It was just on all stolen money, right? 
Melissa owned a load of expensive cars, which have now all been sold off in Sydney, in Australia, to to the highest bidder. Yeah, the proceeds of of the sales are going to the fraud victims to try and claw back, you know, some cash. Oh, God, that's so Mm. horrible. Yes, she ripped off her parents. Because, you know, they were all ripped and gypped out of money. So, Melissa apparently had a black Mercedes Benz and it sold for 66250 So, you know, it was like... It's decent. Decent money, yeah. It's decent, yeah. But then Melissa's poor husband. I say poor husband. He's out there. But anyway... There were all photos of him where he had to give up his bright blue convertible Audi. This car, yes, it's an Audi, but it just looks like a bit of shit corporate car. Like, it's mm. just not even nice. But he put up this massive fight to keep this car because it also had like a two pause number plate on it. And oh, for God. anyone who remembers, yeah. when we did a quick recap on Melissa um, late last year, Anthony, her husband, Anthony Coletti, released an album called Raid under the paws off (laughs) name of his band. Do you remember? He did this dodgy interview for Channel 9 and the songs were quite shit and just bizarre. But yeah, he was trying to fight to keep this car. But the courts went back and investigated this and said it was not his car because court documents showed that Melissa bought the car for him. Yes, it was for him in 2016 for 390000 okay. for a car. That's a lot of money. That's a house. Fuck yeah. It's a lot of money. She got a 30 grand trade in, which maybe was, you know, the money from Anthony's car. So presumably he could be owed some, you know, like 30K mm-hmm. if the courts want to be nice. But the the other 360 was paid for by Melissa. That sold at auction for 295000 which is... I think that's a lot of money for a car that's eight years old. Yeah, sure. So, yeah. So, that was one recap. And then the second story Al sent us was actually more about Anthony. He's had a a restraining order issued against him by the lead investigator from ASIC. And ASIC is the Australian Securities and Investments Commission. Mm -hmm. And they raided um, Anthony and Melissa's home on November 11 in 2020. And that's when he, you know, wrote wrote that album all about the raid. Because, you know, they seized everything they could get their hands on that was worth anything. So, you know, computers, jewellery, shoes, clothes, whatever was in that house, ASIC took it all. And then the next day, Melissa vanished. So, you know, I think it's obviously quite traumatic for Anthony to be thinking about that. But... There was a woman leading the investigation, uh, the ASIC investigation, called Isabella Allen. And this week, Isabella, you know, served a restraining order against him because apparently since Melissa disappeared, Anthony has really gone after Isabella on Twitter saying things like, an investigator at your company and her team of white-collar crooks caused the death of my wife. Put an end to preemptive slaughter. Wow. And then, you know, things like ASIC's negligence caused the death of a woman. You know, he's alleging that they hindered the police investigation and that they have basically tampered with evidence and removed proof of her disappearance. So it's all kind of gone a bit weird. Sorry to interrupt, Michelle. How does he think they've killed her? What does he think's happened to her? He doesn't actually say. He just makes these allegations without 
you know, giving any kind of solution, not solutions, but any kind of theories. So, yeah, it's all a bit strange. Mm. And then on the anniversary of Melissa's disappearance, which obviously was, what, November 12th, he apparently put up a poster outside ASIC's office in Market Street in Sydney, which is right in the heart of the CBD. And it said ASIC equals women's or woman's slaughter. So he's just being quite provocative. Mm. And he still to this day says in interviews that there's no proof that Melissa stole money. So dude is clearly deluded about all of this. But he says he's going to contest the restraining order. So we'll keep you updated on that. And then the final bit of info this week on Melissa comes from Jen. Go, Jen. She told me that the Underbelly franchise of TV TV series in Australia that always focuses on real-life crimes that have happened and shook the nation. Yeah, you know, gritty Australian gangster drama. They're quite good, actually. I've seen a couple. They're very good. Yeah. I'm afraid this one looks a bit shit because they are actually doing a new one called Underbelly Vanishing Out. Oh, okay. And and look, I looked at the trailer for Vanishing Act and it really looks like a bit sex in the city, but quite shit. So, look, the jury's out on whether or not this is going to be any good. Who's playing Melissa? Anyone we know? Somebody from Home and Away? No, I mean, there's this woman who apparently is quite well known in Australia. I didn't, I didn't know her name, and honestly, I didn't write it down, and it's gone right out of my brain. So, not Sigrid Thornton. No, no, no. Sadly, I. Do liked you remember when her. she was the only actress in Australia that did anything? Yes, she got all the roles. So. But she never went to the US like the rest of them have. Do you know what? It was before Australian actors were making it big in Hollywood. Now they're all there. And speaking of Australian actors doing well in Hollywood, I know I keep talking about Euphoria, but the main guy, the creepy yeah. guy who is like a psychopath, he's Australian. Who is he? Jacob, Jacob Alordi. So, you know, he's this chisel-faced Ooh. guy who looks American and then you hear him on interviews and you're like, whoa, dude is like super Australian. So, good day, yeah, day. And how you going? How you going? Does he do that? So... No. Yes, he, no, of course he doesn't. How's Ben Mendelsohn, do you think? Is he all right? We haven't talked about him for ages. I miss Ben. What's he up to? I miss Has you, he Ben. still got a career? Don't say that, <laughs> Michelle. That's what gets us into trouble. I always say it. So, do you know what? I bet you Ben won't be in Vanishing Act. He's too, he's too, like, too high profile. Pollutant. Yeah, absolutely. But um, apparently in this Vanishing Act, they're yeah. going to look at different theories. One of which I think could be my theory, which is she cut off her own ah. foot to throw police off her trail and she's living it up there with Come a robo on. foot. So I don't know. People just, talk. That's still People will talk. This people. is the thing. People. You don't factor that into any of your beliefs, like, you know, about things that you think happened that majority of other people don't believe happened. People will mm. yap. That's why a lot of these conspiracy theories out there can't really hold water. Really? Well, tell me. Tell me more, oh, Geordie. You you want to talk about conspiracy theories right now, Michelle? Sure, why not? <laughs> Are you ready? I'm ready. Conspiracy. It's a conspiracy. conspiracy. <laughs> I think Well, Michelle, you recently raised the fact that I had mentioned a secret society 
which is linked to conspiracy theories, and neither of us could remember the name. It's only the biggest <laughs> bloody conspiracy theory yeah. out there. It's only the mother of all conspiracy theories. It's called <laughs> the Illuminati. Illuminati! <laughs> The Illuminati refers to a conspiracy theory that's so old and so enmeshed with so many other of the theories that we know and love today. There's lizard people, the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, right up to Q today, all linked back to the Illuminati or mentioned with in conjunction okay. with the Illuminati. But in actual fact, Michelle, there was a real and proven original Illuminati the Bavarian oh. Illuminati. That is a secret society that was active from 1776 to 1785. That's only 10 years. Well, not long. Not That's long 10 years. Yeah, no. exactly. Not long. It was founded by a German professor of law called Adam Weishaupt, whose belief in the Enlightenment, a.k.a. Illuminatum, Rational, uh, so the Enlightenment era was all about rational thought, self-rule. There were anti-monarchy, anti-clergy, not into God that much, not into organized religion, not into being ruled by the overlords, by the you know the rich and the famous and the powerful. This group's aim was to replace Christianity with a religion of reason. What's not to like about that? A religion of reason. Okay. So the order sought to promote those ideals among the elite so that they could influence political decisions when they came to power. So they kind of targeted people that were up and coming, a bit like okay. Bohemian Grove does. That's another story. We'll come to that another time. The plan was for these smarty pants to take over the world. So they would be infiltrating the rich and the, the famous, the powerful, the up and coming. So this organisation, though, only had between 650 and at its maximum, its guest at two and a half thousand members. Okay. Okay. So it's very elite. Elite. But, but they only grew to that size, Michelle, by inserting themselves into other groups, particularly the Freemasons, which were already existing, oh. in order to recruit yep. members for their own secret society. So okay. very much like the Freemasons. They also had bizarre rituals and hierarchies within the group, plus super tight secrecy to protect the members' identities. So that was all going on. And that's where those two are similar. They also, the Illuminati, the Bavarian Illuminati, also didn't trust anyone under 30 because they thought they'd be too set in their ways. Oh, come on. <laughs> that's crazy. Well, if you think back to the 1700s, people were probably ancient by the age of 30, weren't they, by comparison? Yeah, that's that would have been true. like our yes. 70. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Historians think the Illuminati were only slightly successful in their plan to infiltrate and control the world. And the order has since died out. But the conspiracy theorists believe they were 100% successful and they are controlling us now. But Michelle... I want to know. I want to hear the evidence here. Well, I'm, I'm excited. Evidence for a, for a secret society? How can that be? Because if it were true, would we know about it? If it's so damn secret... Mm, yeah, but I mean, you know, the Masons are secret, but we all know they exist. And, you know, the little weird handshake with, where you tickle the, the palm of the other person. Is all it that, that stuff, you know. Is things, it that? But things, well, I, well, I guess my point is You've made that things up. slip. Things slip out. It is. You no, don't know that. You do don't like, know that that's the secret handshake. Oh, okay. You don't well, know that. It could be like bam, bam, boom. 
it could know. be something that we no one notices. The fact that the Illuminati was so entwined with the Freemasons makes it hard to differentiate between the two societies. But here's a quick elevator mm. pitch for your favourites, the Freemasons. They were into things like okay. faith, hope, charity and brotherly love with an all-white male cast of professionals working and working okay. men. I mean, my grandfather was actually a member of the Freemasons. And he's a working class. How do you know that? Because he told me when oh. he was alive. And I saw okay. I saw things that related to it. And I asked him what it was and he told me. He was proud. He was a fireman. He was a fireman. Okay. Danish descent. I think second generation Australian at that time. Or, f- yeah, second generation. His, his dad was born in Australia. But his grandfather was actually a Danish immigrant who came over during the gold rush. So, okay. That was my granddad. Mm. He was quite proud, proud to be a Freemason because he was, you know, not terribly religious. And it was all about that Protestant Methodist. He was Methodist, I think. Okay. But they're all doing each other's favours with their secret little handshakes like you talked about before. But Because I would have thought he wouldn't tell you if, but I mean, well, he, he did. Told me. So he told me. If it's so secret, what's he telling you for? Well, maybe he trusted me. Yeah. And then you're just going to put it on the podcast. <laughs> But this is a long time ago, Michelle. Yeah, I know. But nevertheless, in 1785, the Duke of Bavaria, Karl Theodor, banned secret societies, and that included the Illuminati. And serious punishments, I don't know what they were before you ask, were meted out for anyone who joined them. Most of the group's secrets were disclosed or published. So maybe that's Mm. how we know a lot of things that we know today. Uh, But who's to say that they have changed? And the Illuminati all but disappeared, according to historians. See, but I don't think they do disappear. I think they just go further underground. Well, this is where the conspiracy theories begin, you see. Okay. (laughs) So some of the older conspiracy theories were things like the Freemasons and the Illuminati combined were responsible for the French Revolution. That's the sort of impact they're saying that those secret societies had on political and societal changes and uprisings yeah well what well i was gonna say it's really it's really easy to blame a secret society when you don't want to look at the actual things that might have caused the french revolution do you know what i mean like it's such an easy scapegoat you could spread that margarine all across the toast of conspiracy theories really couldn't you (laughs) (laughs) oh America was highly suspicious of Freemasons and many of the founding fathers were members and some key American symbols possibly have their origins in Freemason symbols, such as the famous floating eye on the dollar, otherwise known as the eye of providence above a pyramid. Now, there's a bit of confusion about that because some say it's Freemason symbolism, others say it's Illuminati. Well, one and the same, is it? It's not. Because one is the Enlightenment, the other is faith, hope and charity and brotherhood for white male Christians. The other is trying to do away with Christianity. They're trying to make their own younger, hipper, up-to-date version of humanity ruling societies. So there's no consensus about what that symbol on the American dollar means. Well, I've got info that says it's not Illuminati. Then I've got info that says it is Illuminati. Mm. It's really difficult to decipher. Thomas Jefferson, one of the founding fathers, was falsely accused of being a member. And the first fathers of America addressed the threat that followed them to the new world. They were highly suspicious, very, very nervous about these things coming with them from Europe. George Washington was so worried, in fact, that he wrote a letter debunking the society, but it had the opposite effect. Oh. 
Letters can change people's, what's the word I'm looking for? Perception. Perception. Letters can change people's perception. And then there's no going back. There was a 2017 interview, Mish, with the BBC from a guy called David Bramwell, who has dedicated himself to documenting the origins of the myth. And he's got a podcast. He's got a, no, he's got a podcast that I know of, but he has got a website. Can't remember what it's called. You'll find that out. I'll I'll put it in the show notes. Thank you. So he says that the modern day Illuminati legend wasn't about Adam Weishaupt and his secret society, but rather it was influenced by acid the 60s counterculture, and a text called the Principia Discordia. This is very important. This is the origins of what we know now. Okay, sounds amazing. This book is basically a parody of a fake religion, and it's an alternative belief system, Discordianism. The followers would worship the goddess of chaos named Eris. Spellcheck had it down as Eric, not Eric, it's Eris. (laughs) (laughs) From Cottage City. <laughs> to the goddess Eric. We're going to all bow down. So this discordian movement was ultimately a collective that planned civil disobedience, practical jokes and hoaxes. Sound familiar? Ooh. Hello, 4chan. Hello, 8chan. It's yeah, all going wow. on. It's always going on. This text shares many themes with a satirical 1975 fiction book, The Illuminatus, exclamation mark, so you have to say it, The Illuminatus Trilogy, <laughs> which was a trio of books written by a guy called Robert Shea and another guy called Robert Anton Wilson. And along with the guys who wrote the Principia Discordia texts, they're all movers and shakers in the 60s. They're all kind of okay. uh, Hunter S. Thompson-esque guys. They're all related somehow through their work and their interests and the counterculture, anti-mainstream, etc. So these guys wrote three novels. They are fiction. Well, this is what I was going to say. Who has the time and the energy to just write like a fake manifesto? You know, I mean, it's obviously they were doing it for fun and maybe to like make some cash. Yeah. I don't know. They I thought maybe. Yeah. But yeah. people have obviously jumped on it and run with That's it. That's exactly what's happened, Michelle. So they've tuned in. They've dropped out. They've written all this stuff. They're already placed in the world, in the American journalist circle and literary circles, if you like. So these novels were part research and part fantasy. Yeah. So they did go back to the original Bavarian Illuminati and they grabbed concepts and they grabbed names and they turned them into characters. There were also writers, oh. one of them, or a couple of them actually, were also writers at Playboy magazine in the oh. 70s, which was kind of like a, a pinnacle. Not only did it have boobies and gash, it also had interesting articles, apparently. So along with... Gash? Gash. <laughs> Along with the Principia <laughs> co-author, Kerry Thornley, the authors of the Illuminatus trilogy, so that's Robert and Robert, Robert Shea and Robert, let me just remember his name, Robert Anton Wilson, they got together with Kerry Thornley from Principia Discordia and they decided that the world was getting too authoritarian, too tight, too closed, too controlled. So they wanted to bring chaos back into society and shake things up a little, a la Discordia discordant movement well we need that now because i feel like we're all being a bit too controlled Mm. where's our chaos going to come from oh there's chaos michelle well the thing is that the scary thing is you can write a novel a fake book 
which people then go, it's fucking real. They hold and it up. That's yeah. actual. That's actual chaos. Like that's terrifying in its own oh. way. So. They created this chaos through spreading misinformation, through counterculture, the mainstream media, and any other means necessary. So they began telling stories about the Illuminati, and huh. Operation Mindfuck was born. Have you heard of that before? No, but it's a great name. It sounds like my absolute life. But anyway, Operation Mindfuck. Anyone who's seen, I don't remember which one it was. I think it was Hypernormalization by Adam Curtis, the documentarian, who does these kind of flashing images and archive images with a narration over the top of his take on how society got from A to B. He did one about can't get you out of my head. I think that's the one about China. And then there's one that he's done about Syria. It's really interesting about banks, about money, about our world. It's interesting. Russell Brand interviews him as well on his podcast. Amazing. Adam Curtis talks about Operation Mindfuck. This is where I first heard about it. And this is where I got an interest in finding out more. So Operation Mindfuck was these authors of Principia Discordia, of the Illuminatus trilogy, they launched their, their chaos reign by sending fake letters claiming all assassinations in history were the work of the Illuminati. They also planted stories about the Illuminati in the underground press, took out classified ads in leftist journals and papers. So all of this was having an impact on society. No one knew who was sending these letters because they would have faked who they were sending them from, I, I assume. But for example, JFK had already been assassinated at this point. You may not know this because I didn't, but there was a New Orleans jury that refused to convict a guy called Clay Shaw, who was said to be the brains behind the shooting of JFK. But then a note came to light revealing that the jurors were all Illuminati initiates and they couldn't what? They couldn't convict Clay Shaw. And he may have been a link. He may have been a key. I haven't looked deeply into it because I didn't have time. But you're welcome to Google DuckDuckGo that. Do not compute. Well, I did some research. A.K.A. Googling. Investor Googling. That is really interesting, isn't it? It is. And the, and the letter that was sent to the guy who was trying to prosecute or his his team or even a journalist that was feeding into his team the telltale sign of all of these jurors being illuminati members was that none of them had a left nipple what that just sounds like bullshit ding, i'm ding, sorry ding, ding, ha- ding, 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 ding. <laughs> come on guys <laughs> oh my god so come they're on, nothing to off your left nip can we have a they were half smoothies half smoothies they were demi smoothie <laughs> Listen, this trilogy of books, Michelle, just like that letter that was sent to the New Orleans prosecutor, the the trilogy of books was silly and the letters were outrageous. But the jokesters were having the time of their lives upending society and people believed it. Well, do you know that, you know, when this was happening, because you said it was going on in the, what, 60s and 70s? 60s, 70s, yeah. Obviously, way before, you know, social media had its like vice-like grip on our society. But, you know, the gatekeepers of news were the newspapers. So if they could get any kind of articles or traction in radio, news, people would give it credibility because that's the way people thought back at the time. So it's super clever to be fucking with people. Literally Operation Mindfuck. To be fair, newspapers were always the people's representatives in 
the the world of politics. So politicians would have the floor, they would make the decisions, the papers would report back, and they would have the people's voice. The people needed to trust the newspapers back in the day. That's what they were there for. They were supposed to be a a level playing field for people to be able to get their information of what's going on behind closed doors. But obviously, times have changed. Money is important. Influence is important and power is important. And people's allegiances and their morals and values have switched. And also, you know, papers, all of that media, it's now PR. It's actually very little news, mostly PR and propaganda. So. Well, listen to this, Michelle. These guys, right, including Thornley, who wrote Principia Discordia, he was in the army with Lee Harvey Oswald and knew him pretty well. This is before he um, shot JFK. He chose not to believe that there were any conspiracies, only coincidences. But in later life, Thornley changed his mind and he became a believer of the very thing he fought against. Essentially, this group of chaotic clowns convinced themselves that their own lies were true. Oh, okay. Interesting. Isn't that bizarre and interesting? Here's a fun fact. Yeah. The cult success of the Illuminati's books or the Illuminatus trilogy (laughs) meant that they were turned into a stage play in Liverpool, launching the careers of British actors Bill Nighy and Jim Lovable Broadbent. No. Yes. I mean, they are living legends. Yeah. They are. The books also popularised this thing called the 23 Enigma, which is something that William Burroughs was jumping on. He thought the number was strange in some way. There's a story about, I haven't got this written down, so I'm going to have to try and remember, a captain who believed that the number 23 was very interesting and he had told this to Burroughs somehow. He said he's been on for 23 years. He'd never had uh, any problems at sea and the next day he ran into a problem and drowned or something something like that I don't know but yeah 23 was a number that kept popping up and they just decided to make that special then also in the book the Illuminatus trilogy (laughs) justified ancients of Mumu was in it a secret society within the books and as we know ancients of Mumu the artists Jimmy Corti and Bill Drummond aka KLF the ancients of Mumu the Time Lords all those other names that we know them by they named their band and a song after this with lots of references to the 23 Enigma. And their whole career, Michelle, is heavily influenced by the Illuminatus trilogy and Principia yeah. Discordia because they are they are chaos merchants. What about dropping a dead sheep at after shows after the Brit Awards where you've already yes. sprayed the audience with fake machine gun bullets? They did that at the Brit Awards. Oh and then they burnt a million pounds. Yes, and we have posited a theory in previous episodes that they are Banksy. And shredding their own artwork just says to me that that kind of thing is very, very discordant, very Illuminatus trilogy. But you know what? Like, fair play to them. They live their life by this idea of shaking shit up and True chaos. artists. True artists. Really true artists and, and a dedication yeah. to just, you know, fringe, like fringe ideas. I, I yeah. love it. And then also you have things like Dan Brown's novel Angels and Demons, which... It just occurred to me to be so goddamn boring. I couldn't even read the Wikipedia page describing the plot. It was that dull. But that references the Illuminati and also is uh, the Illuminati is often referred alongside the Knights Templar. I had a conversation with my hairdresser who loves all this stuff. And he okay. said that they were entwined with the Knights Templar, but they were formed around 
1118 BC, whereas our Bavarian Illuminati didn't make its first appearance until the 1700s. So how could they be in conjunction? Knights Templar, by the way, if you want to know what they are, they were the group of kind of mercenaries who protected Christian pilgrims during the Crusades. Okay. They were like the clergy's security guards, <laughs> like the Pope's security guards. Helping Yay. spread the word of Christianity across the lands. I mean, it's a good, it's a good name, Knights Templar. Knights Templar. I thought it would be a bit. I thought it would be. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Bruce Stephen for five. I thought that would be a bit more exciting than basically bouncers. But anyway, did you know? By the way, I read this morning that Bruce Forsyth did not leave any of his eleven point something million to any of his children. Bruce, what's it? Is he dead? He's long dead. Oh, God, see, I don't Brucey? even know. I can't keep up. I can't keep up with who's dead and who's oh. not. Poor old Brucey. Who, who got all the money? I don't know. <laughs> Knights Templar. The Knights Templar. The Illuminati. No, I don't know. The Illuminati is often mixed up with Satanism for some reason, despite the fact that, well, because they're, because they're anti-religion. So anything anti-church, anti-religion yeah. is going to be painted with the Satanism brush, I'm afraid. Also, alien yeah. myths is tied up with the Illuminati and other ideas that would have been totally foreign to the real Bavarian Illuminati. Let's talk about David Icke for a moment, just for a moment, because oh, he's yes. so interesting. And there's a, an entire podcast that we need to do to dedicate to David Icke. I've seen him described as a new age philosopher, but he's actually a former England goalkeeper and a minor celebrity. Oh until the world fell about laughing as he went on Wogan and told him that not only that he was the son of God, but the Illuminati and Freemasons were all lizard people trying to take over the world. So he's the one that launched the Queen as a Lizard theory. Love this guy. That's bold. <laughs> it is bold. That, so the entire audience laughed. Wogan's saying, they're all laughing at you. And that changed things for him, you know. And people do say that when they Ooh. listen to him speak, and he was recently on Joe Wood's Alien Nation podcast. She came back really? for one episode oh. over Christmas, New Year, talking to him. So listen to that. Oh, amazing. But 12 million Americans believe in his theories. They believe that lizard people run the world. 12 million Americans. That's 4%. Fuck you now. Seriously, that is... I mean, that's enough to become a messiah, a god, start a cult, yeah. and live happily ever after on proceeds. Yeah. Yeah. Like 12 mil. Sign up. Sign I mean, here, everyone please. just gives one dollar. One dollar per patron. Michelle, if you too are a believer, would you like to know how you can spot a lizard person? Yes, please. Well, you, well you can... I mean, do they look like a lizard? <laughs> no, because they're shape shifting and they get all folded up and squished down oh. inside the bodies of people like the Queen Mother. Yes, V. This is V all over again. V. But yeah, I want to know. Well, they've got green eyes like I do. They've got good lizard. eyesight or hearing like I used to have until recently. <laughs> they've got red hair. Sometimes I have red hair when I hit the bottle. <laughs> they have a sense of not belonging to the human race. Sometimes I feel like that, don't you, Michelle? Oh, I think we all feel like, who mm. the fuck are we? But yes. Unexplained scars on the body. I remember being a child and noticing that I had a scar on my shoulder and wondering where the hell that came from. Aliens. Lizards. That's where they got in. They cut a little nick and they slithered in. They have a love of space. Now, I'm, I've written love of space. Is that a love of like a nice empty room set or is it space? It's the place up there in the Milky Way. I guess it's the I don't other. know because I love, I love minimalism. 
Yeah. I love. I you love must be a lizard. Nothing in a room. I'm a lizard, but I also like space, 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 and race. low blood pressure, which I usually have. But I did my blood pressure on a, a home kit with my friend the other day, and it was sky high. Oh shit! I don't think it was working properly. Oh okay. <laughs> so there's a list of celebrities as well who are lizard people, and almost always their A list is Michelle. People like, of course, Barack, Barack Obama, Barack. How do you say that, Barack? Barack, 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 Barack Obama, Barack, 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 Barack Obama, Barack Obama, the Queen, Madonna, yes, yes. Katy Perry, Bill Clinton, Angelina Jolie, the Bush family, Bush, and there's an unofficial Illuminati website which I found, and I could not tell you if it's real or not, but it looked kind of weird. It looked a bit MLME. It's a website with an ad urging us to fear not for our war-torn, poverty-stricken planet because the Illuminati have a grand plan. Well, why the hell aren't they stepping in right now is what I'd like to know. Can I ask, is Tom Cruise on that list? Because he seems to be always on every fucking list. He's a Scientologist. He doesn't need to be on other lists. Scientologists oh, are a, right. a group onto themselves. That is true. Okay, sorry. So the website was somewhat of a surprise because it seems that the Illuminati isn't dead and gone, as I previously thought. And you, Michelle, you can join. Oh, how much do I have to pay? <laughs> I didn't get to that part. It says on the website, it's a coalition of the world's top leaders and great thinkers and unites influences of all political, religious and geographical backgrounds to further the prosperity of the human species as a whole. Sounds good to me. I think that actually sounds like a great spiel. Absolutely. I mean, that's a good sales pitch. What, what's not to like about What's not to like? The symbols, yeah. they've got the symbols on there. There's the pyramid, the eye, the light and the internal circle. The pyramid apparently stands for money and how money can be used in the right way for the pursuit of goodness that money can create is one of humanity's greatest responsibilities. Are you hearing this, people with money? Bezos, etc. The (laughs) eye, Musk, the eye is representing us as humans. We are evolving rapidly, but fear not because we are guarded by the elite. Then there's the light, the illumination. That represents our spirituality and affirms that each of us seek this in different forms and functions. Then there's a circle. I don't know what that's for. Oh, yeah. It says to remind us that we're all part of something larger and a larger eternal design. We may not realize it, but a person's actions has power to alter the future of the entire world. But look, do you think that people... Yeah. Do you think that people just want to believe in something greater than themselves. I mean, it's the same reason why people believe in religion because they cannot believe that that this is it. That's all there is, you know. Sure, absolutely. There has to be someone looking after us because we can't look after ourselves. People yeah, are always looking crazy. for a higher, a higher power, a bigger answer. Now, the Illuminati have always had a bad rap, and that's what they say this website was created for, despite mm. being a secret society. Why would it have, you know, a Twitter profile? But that, <laughs> you know, they're planning this new world order, which is a unified planet without borders, governed governed by the best and the brightest of all human species, so that we can all live in freedom and abundance it's a utopian vision no need for war no borders a globalist society but if you join me you have to sacrifice all your allegiances to any political parties any religion so I'm really not sure if this is even real because like I said why would a secret society have a website doesn't make sense I think your answer might be if there's a joining fee then (laughs) no that's definitely not fucking real that's a scam so like you said, there's, this is all born of a deep mistrust of politics and a profound suspicion of those in places of power. 
So I've said before who the members were. Oh, have I? Have I said that Beyonce and Jay-Z are members of the Illuminati? I was no, talking about lizard people. No. Yeah. So they say that Rihanna, Katy Perry, she's busy, isn't she? Not only is she a lizard, she's also <laughs> Illuminati. But she said uh, to Rolling Stone magazine, I guess if you've kind of made it when they think you're in the Illuminati. And Madonna yeah. released a single called Illuminati and said that she knows exactly who they are. And then when Prince died suddenly of an accidental overdose, a lot of people accused the Illuminati of killing him because he was so outspoken against the record industries. Because, you know, he changed his name to Symbol and all that kind of thing. So they think that the record industries who owned him and owned his name and owned his music killed him eventually. And also because he was a believer. He came out in 2009, I think, saying that he was a believer in chemtrails. Oh, okay, But that doesn't mean he's Illuminati. I don't know. So there was a podcast called Conspiracy Theories and Unpopular Culture, which is hosted by an Illuminati expert called Isaac Weishaupt. That shocked me for a while because I thought, well, hang on. That means he's related to the guy that started the Bavarian Illuminati, but he's nowhere. Is he relating back to it? Then eventually I got onto his website where it said, clearly that's not my real name. And he said that he does does actually acknowledge that there was a Bavarian Illuminati in the 1700s, but that's not the one he's talking about. He's talking about the secret society with a new world order in mind that is steeped in religion, steeped in the occult, all about power and money, and tied up with Anton LaVey's Church of Satan. So he's pushing that. It's all connected, connected. It's like we're knitting a jumper of of conspiracy. I love it. Exactly, exactly. So this leads me to, uh, basically, it's just a massive circle, Michelle. So these conspiracy theories keep giving birth to new conspiracy theories that lead back to the original conspiracy theories. And then I find out that a lot of these conspiracy theories are actually anti-Semitic. It's all Mm. about anti-Semitism. Just through various bits and pieces. I, I know a little bit about this, but not much. But basically, yeah, there is prejudice against Jews which has been going on for centuries so everything from I think even the French Revolution they probably had people think the Jews had a hand in that all the way through to QAnon anti-vaccine all of it Mm. but yeah the the idea that they think Jews are behind it but this has been going on since the middle ages again like Jews are blamed for the black death oh really Uh, yeah the idea is and we sort of touched on this earlier is that when people like don't know how to explain something, they want to point the finger at someone. And poor old Jews, they cop it every time. Yeah, I mean, Freemasons too. It's easy to stir up paranoia. But obviously that all went fucking crazy with the Jews. And look, there was actually, you talk about historical documents that were written and then, you know, it was all actually just a, a novel, but people have been taking it as real. This is what happened in Russia under Tsar Nicholas II. So he was super anti-Semitic and he wrote a paper which was called The Protocols of the Elders of Zion. And in it, he supposedly had these minutes of a secret Jewish meeting of wise men. And this was apparently back in 1897. And they were plotting to overthrow all of civilization. And it was basically like talked about as a a warrant for genocide. And this is actually what inspired Hitler to exterminate the Jews. Despite the fact that the Tsar and his entire family were then executed. And despite the fact that this was actually all just made up. And apparently it was translated into loads of languages. It was reprinted. It sold millions of copies. 
And it's just this like apparently this confused jumble of ideas. But yeah, completely anti-Semitic and yeah, formed the basis for why Hitler wanted to yeah, exterminate the Jews. So, you know, it's it is really really scary and these things are continuing you know as Mm. as you just talked about 1960s people laughing making up a novel but it gets reprinted and turned into fact so well that's about all i can do on the illuminati for now michelle but i think it's a great launching pad for more fun conspiracies in the future what do you think well i think this is not the end of the line for the illuminati discussion i think you know there's going to be more things that we talk about in the future because it is a subject that is packed full of the bizarre and the the bold and the so now you're up to speed now as well with with i am facts and i love the operation mindfuck angle completely i want to look more into that so i would advise you to watch adam curtis's documentaries they are so good but you need about four hours well i've never watched them but you know what i'm going to put some links in the show notes to all of that because i think it sounds absolutely fascinating and absolutely terrifying at the same time oh it is it is absolutely but listen michelle I'm exhausted now. I'm knackered from listening mm-hmm. to all that Illuminati stuff. I just feel like I've got a lot swimming in my head. So. Which way do you turn? Which way do you turn? I don't know. What? Which way's up? Which way's down? Which way's what's down? Real, what's not? But I do know one thing, Michelle, and that is whatever you do. Wherever you are. <laughs> never stop eavesdropping. 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 Eavesdropping.